It's time for the Disney desk. It's time for the Disney desk. It's time for the Disney desk. Podcasters wearing mouse ears. Disney magic. They're the world's most beloved podcast team. They're heroes on the Disney new scene. When the hat chapic attacks... Those Disney adults will cut them no slack. It's time for the Disney desk. It's time for the Disney desk. It's time for the Disney desk. Podcasters wearing mouse ears. Disney magic. Okay. <gasps> that almost killed me. I was afraid that you were about to, like, jump into a second verse. No, um, no. I, I You get one verse for most of these. Okay. <laughs> What was it that you went way too long? Um, the the Muppet the Muppet episode you went that one. Yes, and you told me to little, shut the fuck up. I and did. I took that advice so seriously. thank you for taking those notes. Ugh. Um. Yes. I well also because if you get into a second verse, you have to name the turtles and their personalities, right. and I'm like, I don't want to label. I like I don't know what our turtle personalities <laughs> would be. Wouldn't it be nice to be a ninja turtle and just have one sentence that describes your personality describes over you. like fifty years? That would probably be awful because then you'd be stuck to it. Yeah, I mean that. It's certainly Leonardo doesn't like that. I mean, imagine being described as rude. Like that's the only thing anyone has ever has anything to say about you is that yeah, you're rude. Yeah, but he's also called cool. Cool, well, that's true. Rude. No, you're that right. That gives you some. That gives you some wiggle room. That gives you some like. That gives you a I little mean, bit of like fluctuation. That label never stopped me. He's my favorite, so right. maybe it's fine. Well, I was going to say if we are if we were Ninja Turtles, you'd probably be Raphael, and I'd probably. I guess Donnie. I'd be Donatello because I'm the nerd who does all the homework. That's He's correct. also my favorite, fittingly enough. Right, Raphael is my favorite too. But because I like purple, and I think it's cool. like anyone can run into a fight with a samurai sword. It takes real, you know, what's to run in with a stick and be like, "I'm gonna fight." Here we go. But it was such a cool stick. Right, especially in um, especially in the, uh, the rise where it's like a super gadgety stick, and he yeah. has like tricks and. Like, we, whatever the reverse of character assassinations, Donnie had the opposite of a character assassination. They a character glow-up? Up. Yeah, bingo. Welcome to the Disney desk, everyone. <laughs> I just realized we didn't do the intro yet. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And welcome to, as you can tell, a very fun episode of In Other Tunes, which, well, this Woo! is actually kind of a dual topic because it is both a script doctor's episode and a In Other Tunes. I guess so. Yeah, we're doing this. We're we're doing this because it's my birthday, and right. so Carter had the great idea of like, let's just talk about something that Sydney loves, which would be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, for those of you that know me best, know that I am a huge fan of the Heroes in a Half Shell, as as forementioned, um, and we realize that this is something that we have a have had a lot to talk about over the years and certainly want to talk about today now the reason that carter says that we this might be a script doctor episode even though that kind of wasn't my intention but 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 who cares at this point um is because we specifically want to talk about michael bay's iteration of right and like I am naming names at this point, even though Michael Bay is certainly not the only name involved here. He's not even the director. That label right. is almost like a label of shame. 
right? It's, I mean, it's so interesting because I always do feel bad when movies get labeled by producers because I'm like, imagine being a hardworking director and yeah. like doing all this and then you just get labeled as, oh, it's this other guy's movie. I was just going to say, at least when people are talking about everything they don't like about it, they associate that with him, Michael Bay, instead of you. Right. It is, like, yeah, it's the it's a similar thing to, like, M. Night Sham. Like, remember the movie Devil that was, like, M. Yeah. Night Shyamalan produced and story by? But it's mm-hmm. like, well, he didn't direct it. And now Adam McKay's reaching that territory. Like, when I saw the menu trailer and it's, like, from producer Adam McKay, I'm like, ah, he's doing another one of these. Yeah. Um, yes, it, it is interesting because what's funny is inadvertently this movie got me into the Turtles more than I'd been before. Same. I, I, to start, yeah, I was going to say, what was your, like, first really big Ninja Turtles thing? Well, you know, growing up, the 2003 series mm-hmm. was, like, very special. <laughs> that was probably my first introduction to um, to the Turtles, and certainly probably my only one, because back then we did not have YouTube. We did not have these vast libraries of content. Um, I had never seen the original Turtles, um, the 80s Turtles, Certainly the um, the films were televised, like, mm-hmm. randomly. And I had seen um, at least the first um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. That was, like, wildly popular. That's also right. another reason that, like, I wanted to have this conversation. Because it's, like, that was a, such a sweeping success, at least the first one. And so why isn't it working now? <laughs> Right, right. Is, is more of what we want to dive into, um, and, and we'll get to that. But so fast forward to, like, 2014, and this this film comes out, and we have just graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, this was, Literally. like, kind of a rebirth of my, like, oh, yeah, I actually kind of loved this this team, this these guys. And um, I remember being a fan of the film, even though most people were, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I well, I remember sort of dancing around that because yeah. I had a very similar where I was super into the two thousand three one. That was like a must watch because that was like yeah. when I was watching Nickelodeon all the time because right. you know it was made by kids for for kids. kids. Yeah, no parents allowed. Yeah, get the fuck, fuck out of here! Out of here! <laughs> if the TV's on and they're in the room, you're legally allowed to shoot them. Right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it was the same thing, and, like, and it's so funny looking at that compared to all the other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff, because it's so bro Like, they literally have the line, it's a shell of a time. It's a shell of a town. Time. Yeah. It had such a rock and roll theme song. Can we talk about the 2003 series, like, really quick? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I figured this is just going to be all turtles. Like, yeah. Just all turtles the all spectrum. the time. This is just us geeking out. It had, like, a Gotham energy to it where it was like grungy and kind of but it was also simultaneously like it had the perfect balance of like brooding angsty grunge and like also cowabunga dude like it was it kind of perfectly towed the line between like like I feel like the turtles are best when they are lean slightly more mature than they do teenage maybe that's my right like that's probably my more my taste but like i've always liked 
when the stakes are really high in their world and and they always seem to be but and things are like super emotional <laughs> right it, it is interesting because the teenage part is the part that kind of gets lost in the fold as much and because it started out as a parody of like daredevil comics right and like x-men and it's like yeah the 80s were all like ugh, angst for that yeah. stuff so it makes <laughs> sense that that's the stuff they lean into more but you're completely right because it's like yeah it's like it's this grimy gritty new york city with just like four surfer bros right just like <laughs> doing flips and shit with their ninja weapon. Like, they have the energy of, like, surfer bros who are, like, walking the boardwalk, and maybe they had one too many puffs of the funny cigarettes. And they see someone selling, like, bootleg samurai stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's so funny because I think a lot of, like, there's bits and pieces of that DNA that make it over to the 2014 one. Because that's, definitely. I was rewatching it, and I forget just how big they are. Like, they're literally, they're jacked. They're huge. And we'll get to that a little bit of just, like, how weird it makes all of, like, the action scenes and all of their scenes with April, that they're just these homunculi. Um, Yeah, that nothing about them reads as teenager. Their biceps are massive. The size of, like, uh, of Megan Fox's entire body. Body, yeah. Um, but they, in the process, they, but then they lose all of, like, the sort of goofy, like, brotherly charm in the process. Like, less of that made it over. And they, they just concentrated into one character. Right, right. Um, and they, honestly, they mostly just concentrated into quips. Like, it's literally right. just Mikey quip, Mikey quip, Mikey quip. Every right. scene ends with a Mikey quip. But yep. um, anyway, yeah, I remember seeing this and being like, oh, that was rough. And you were like, I liked it. And I'm like... And I'm like, I don't want to hurt. Like, because we were still right. relatively new friends at the time. I didn't right. want to start, like, a flame war. And <laughs> the funny thing is, that ended up bringing me to the 2012 series, which, if I remember, you're not the biggest fan of. That's the no. CGI one. Yeah, that one never appealed to me. I was never... And, like, it's it's always been a good story. Mm. Um, that was, like, I they heard. really successfully drew out this really long, like... Um, long narrative journey with these characters um it was it's one of those shows like last airbender where it's like you can't necessarily just like watch a random episode with no context right right and and that's kind of the appeal of it almost is that like the viewership is long withstanding and um has this like deep investment into where these characters started and they really like go on this long journey um, which makes for a lot of great fan fiction, I have, I would imagine. Um, that is another well, story. Yeah, it is. It's interesting because that series was at the heart of, like, the rise of the serialized cartoon. Like, because for so long, you just weren't allowed to do serialization in cartoons. So mm-hmm. now there's this era where it's like, well, streaming's kind of a thing, so I guess you can have long-form story. And it really felt like, hey, what if we took, basically, like, what if we took the 80s cartoon and made it quote-unquote serious in the sense of like, oh, yeah. we're going to take the lore seriously, we're going to like have all the iconic characters and we're going to give them the like gravitas and like right. emotional depth they've earned. Whereas the 2003 one is more just like, hey, let's have fun. Let's group. Yeah, You're like you know the dudes, let's go on an adventure today. Yeah, more turtles, but with different vibes. With right. a very Mountain Dew 2003 vibe. Exactly. But, like, really, I just hated the animation style of the 2012 ones. I didn't... They just felt like Lego characters to me. I just didn't like the animation style. I don't like the way Splinter looks. 
I didn't like the way the turtles look. The CGI, it, the CGI doesn't do it any favors, especially when you yeah. start watching Rise, and it's just yeah. the most engrossing, exciting kaleidoscope of color and shape right. and movement that has ever been on Nickelodeon. And someone thought, like, what if they were all different kinds of turtles? Yeah. And Which is cool. Also, it's so funny, because I, well, like, there's a funnel of 2003 Turtles, this movie 2014, and then I feel like bits and pieces of that filter into the 20, like, Rise of the Ninja Turtles, where it's like, yeah, they have, like, different, like, Raph looks just like he does from the 2014 cartoon. He has he the do-rag as a They bandana. liked it, He's yeah. huge. Right. Like, the idea that they have all this juge on their bodies, they don't just have the headbands, they have, like, gear and stuff. Stuff, Yeah. Yeah, like, a lot of that energy carries over, but it's just way more sincere and fleshed out. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Um, so, so yeah, so about the 2014 film, like, well, like, so from for you, from your perspective, like, what changed your mind about the, like, because I know, like, upon first watching, you say that, like, this isn't that good. But then, like, at what point did you start to, like, get on board with it, if ever? I wouldn't say get on board, so to speak. I think it's just, I think in general, the Turtles have been a really good example for me, and this is something we were talking about before the episode, of just, like, having a sense of perspective with long-form franchises that are always getting rebooted. Like, because I remember the fury that was on the internet when Rise started, because it's like, they are not actually brothers, they look so different, why is there all this mystical stuff? They're not mystical. And (laughs) I just... I just had this perspective where I'm like, you know, there have been four canonical animated series in our lifetime, and we've lived through three of them in Mm -hmm. their entirety from beginning to end. We have one coming up that's produced by Seth Rogen. Like, this is going to be remade and remixed a hundred times over. Yeah. And sometimes they'll make choices you don't like. Sometimes they'll make choices you do like. They'll, like, every now and then they'll do, like, a perfectly faithful reimagining of the original comics or the original show, and it's fine. It's fine. Just try to enjoy this one for what it is. And when I just sat back and, like, I'm just going to purely focus on the positive things, the things that I think are interesting for this movie, I ended up having a lot more than I thought I would. Right, yeah. You know, for me, and as part of this episode, I pulled up here the Rotten Tomatoes like top critic reviews because I think they're interesting and they also highlight an an issue with how with with people's expectations of what this film would be and um not that I want to like blame the viewers for not freaking liking it but right but it seems like most of these people who at least the top critics on on Rotten Tomato um did not get what they thought that they were looking for in this. Here's what I think was the biggest issue that turned people off is that it's visually disgusting. (laughs) Yes. This movie, I like, I try to be nice to this movie, but (laughs) it looks like farts in a box. Yeah. It's like, I remember even being in theaters and being like, Oh my God, I'm going to vomit. Like their reveal of their, their reveal of them. It takes adjusting. And I think People, not just you and I, but a lot of people have become kinder to the film over time is because thanks to Marvel and DC, we've had a lot more exposure and good old Robert, Robert Z, Bobby Z, 
um, to the to worst this kind of photorealism. To offer. <laughs> yes, and so, but at the time, even though twenty fourteen wasn't that long ago, I don't think we were like we just weren't ready for this. We weren't ready for motion capture, like reptiles with with muscles with biceps that were huge right. and like pores and sweat these nostrils right. there's a reason why it the navi weird. are there's a reason why the navi go for like basically human but with a little bit of the cat stuff because that's like okay my brain can process this this is fine this looks good mm-hmm. like meanwhile cats goes full cat and you're just like oh no um <laughs> yeah it's it's so interesting because I was listening to an interview from one of the actors who played one of the turtles, I believe Raphael, and he's just like, yeah, they're uh, really selling us on this as being like, Alan Rich, uh, Alan Richson, is that his yes. name? Yeah. And they were like, oh, this is going to be so innovative. You're all going to be the next Gollum. It's going to be so huge. And then you see all these shots where they like react strongly to anything and your brain just immediately hits fight or flight where you're like, this thing is going to break through the TV and kill me if yeah. I don't get away from it immediately. Right. It's, yeah, I don't know how anyone actually in-universe did not just, like, immediately vomit upon seeing them, but... Right. Well, that's the that's the Star Wars thing I always joke, me and my brother always joke about, like, you always say you want to live in Star Wars world until you walk into a bar and see two <laughs> giant-ass mosquitoes drinking cups, and you just start projectile vomiting and horror, disgust and horror. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no! Like, when you think about the fact you live in a world where there are giant fucking mosquitoes who just live and do taxes, I guess. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let me, me read. some of these reviews. Let me read some of these. Okay. This critic says, A shockingly boring, endlessly unimaginative advertisement for pizza, soft drinks, and the capitalist ideal. Okay. Excuse right. me. Uh- God, all right, look, I love this franchise. It's really fun. I get a lot out of it. This is the fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Please relax. Like, one of the, yeah, one, relax. <laughs> Two, like, you know, there it was always like a mean-spirited parody. And then one of the creators sold out and the other left because he's like, I'm kind of disgusted about how bad we sold out. Yeah. Three, it's an 80s cartoon. Like, again, all of these were like, hey, Reagan said we can just sell toys to kids now. Let's fucking go. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Like, calm yourself down, sir. This, <laughs> this is a one? this is a Wendy's. This is a Ninja Turtles. Right, <laughs> sir. <laughs> okay, this next one's kind of interesting. The whole TMNT movie is overinflated, like watching an otherwise tolerable music video stretched out over a hundred and one minutes. I think that's an interesting take, actually. Yes, I would say I do think that one holds some water in terms of like the way the camera like. So many of, like, actually well-designed action sequences are ruined by the camera movements just having no chill or, right. like, being too bug-eyed with the lenses. Mm. Like, uh, one of my biggest realizations watching over this, I'm like, I actually really like some of the action scenes here. If the camera would just too. fucking chill for I two actually, seconds. You know the scene where they're, like, going down, like, the mountain? <laughs> yes. I actually like the sequence where they kind of made it look like Donnie's, like, wearing a GoPro. Oh, yeah. I think some oh, of that's, that's kind of cool. I didn't even think about that. That's exactly what they're going for. I like it as an idea, but please don't mimic the GoPro, like, bug-eyed lens yeah. when your characters look right. like a box of farts. They're already bug-eyed, yeah. <laughs> um, Here's a positive one. 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is uncomplicated fun, offering nothing new save for the sad novelty of seeing Megan Fox being treated like an actual human being. Oof, that's... And that's, that's a positive one. A that's stretching it a little bit. That is my big... I mean, that was one of my big things where I'm like, how do you fix this? How do you make this good, not just average? Right. I, I agree with with this one phrase here, uncomplicated uncomplicated fun like right i agree and yeah. and that's what's as pos- is positive about this film well it's interesting because it's like i was talking about this it is so fascinating and like again hollywood's not the most original town everyone's looking at each other's notes this movie mm-hmm. cribs a lot from the amazing spider-man franchise mm. in the sense of like everything's connected the whole thing about like oh the main villain was friends with April O'Neil's dad, who was a scientist, and they were working with the mutagen, and they were experimenting on turtles and rats, and they were April's pets, and she let them out. So they're all, like, related. I'm like, this is the same problem with Amazing... Like, one, this is very sweaty, and it's the same yeah. problem Amazing Spider-Man had, where it's like, wow, this is an awful lot of coincidences, even by the standards of fiction. Um but then, like, once you get to the part where the turtles are just there, I get, you're right. It is kind of just like, look, you know their personalities, you know the yeah. beats, you know the vibe. You Let's got your favorite roll. one. And, yeah, you got your favorite one. See how they do, you know, see their performance this time. It's like their personality concentrated into 90 minutes. Just right. chill. Just vibe out. You know, this, this brings, like, up something really interesting about this film is that, like, if we want to tell a story about April O'Neil... I can accept a movie about April O'Neil. But then I can also... It's like there are two separate storylines mm-hmm. here that work independent of one another and never blend totally in seamlessly into one another. I think one of my biggest critiques of this film is that I wish there were more meaningful interactions between April and the Turtles. Because right. that's what makes... That's what makes what has made the turtles appealing in the past is as the viewer, you sort of put yourself into the position of April O'Neil. Wouldn't it be cool to have these superhuman friends? Right, exactly. The weirdest, funnest people you know. Exactly. That that's what is the appeal of the original film back in the eighties and the original cartoon. She was so immersed in their lives. Mm-hmm. And um she's still at the like we're supposed to buy into this like family narrative and i love a good family narrative but it's just like i just don't believe it there's like not really chemistry here actually right well again that gets to the problem where they're so huge that scene that's actually like if you just it's again so much of this film is like if you wrote it down on paper the intent is kind of good and like you can see what they're going for it's just an execution they like just completely fumbled, like you fumbled the ball before right. you even got past the 20. Right. Like, the scene where they, like, she's, like, pursuing them. Like, good, give April agency, have her be, like, trying to investigate this thing. They see mm-hmm. her and immediately go full ninja mode where they're like, hey, we need to take your phone real quick. And it's like, if you're, if it's the guys in the Jim Henson suits from the 80s, this would be fun. This would be charming. They'd be right. playing off each other well. It would be silly in a good way. But because they are they're all, like... Yeah, it's they're all genuinely threatening. They look, yeah, they look like they're all about to have a heart attack because they had too much creatine and yeah. caffeine. You're like, oh my god, this is like actually like, does she have pepper spray? Like, she right. needs to get out of here. They're like, <laughs> like, but yeah, it's also one. 
like they I think they put all of that like oh they're actually related because they were her pets in just to like be like that's how we establish an emotional connection yeah in reality it's like well no they have to talk to each other because the minute they actually meet and go down to the sewer, it's just action, 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 right. action. And, and we never then have a Splinter's like, chill. sit down, let me tell you a story. And yeah. then here's all this exposition that we missed. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah, these are the, like, we're basically redoing the scene from the, and it's another thing that's a, similar to Amazing Spider-Man. We weirdly just recreate a bunch of scenes from, yeah. not fully recreate scenes, but kind of just do the same beats as the 80s movie, but like that's not as clean you know i was going to say the same thing as like there is nothing new in terms of the ingredients and elements of this film this is a this is as typical of a ninja turtle story as you could ever hope for and maybe that's part of its problem yeah and it's interesting because are you familiar with the production history of this movie no, this actually, movie no. Went through some wackadoodle changes. No, not really, actually. So, one of the producers, it wasn't Michael Bay. It, I well, he also said some stuff about it, but um, like someone in the production made a comment where he was like, "They're aliens from an alien planet," and someone was like, "And someone was like, wait, what the fuck? Why?" And then people yeah. started to investigate, and then. Mike, somebody in the production started explaining, like, yeah, we have this idea for the turtles that they're actually aliens from an all-turtle planet who get sent to Earth nope. via, like, some Krang stuff. And Shredder's also from that planet, and he's made out of blades. And everyone was like, fuck this. Like, again, I'm all for <laughs> trying new things, but that's, like, a, that's just no. not a, the same franchise. That's just you want to do a yeah. weird sci-fi thing. Like, at least with Transformers, you followed the general arc of... Hey, right. there's a planet where all these guys live. War broke out. Good guys came to Earth. Bad guys mm-hmm. are trying to arrest them. Like, you follow the basic arc of what the 80s show presented. Right. That is just something different. And then they're like, okay, okay, we're not going to do all that. But Shredder's going to be this white CEO. Like, Eric Sachs, the, mm-hmm. like, effective main villain of this movie, mm-hmm. he was absolutely clearly supposed to be the Shredder. Like, they don't right. admit it now, but, like, the way they set it up, he's going to be in the Shredder suit. And he's going to be the main, you know, he's going to be the Shredder. Right. But because people are like, what the fuck? You can't have the Shredder be a white guy. It's like, we have so few cool We Asian have to villains. like white guys. Well, that, and also just like, why are you white casting this? Keep in mind, this oh, was that's still true. like three years before the Scarlett Johansson Ghost in a Shell fiasco. You're right, you're right, you're right, yeah. So that's why there's all these weird scenes where this random Asian guy just shows up and we literally never see his face and half of his lines sound like they were ADR'd like months yep. later. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that also just becomes a problem because it's like, why are Shredder and him, or why are Splinter and him talking like they have this whole like history, like they have animosity? To, this is the first time they've met. Can we talk about that scene, that fight scene, which I quite like? I like it. Yes, I Honestly, like it. That's one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Right? It's it's cool because otherwise, like Splinter is this decrepit old rat, but he actually. Kind of knows what he's doing. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. He's their sensei. But I like that film because it's filled with, like, the cheesiest video game shit talk that, like, is in the cutscenes between, like, a fighter game. (laughs) And it's, like, I love that they make room for them to, like, talk smack in between each, like, pass. Right, like it should have, like turtles should have a little bit of that anime energy where it's like, yeah. why are you still talking? Like, why are right. you one liners? You're trying to kill each other. And I actually kind of like, I don't love the shredder design, but I like the idea that he just has this endless supply of blades that he can like with magnets and shoot. Yeah, yeah. 
and yeah, I like I like my Splinter. It's similar to Rise, where it's like you think he's kind of incompetent or he's just like not yeah. a good dad, but in reality, he's like the most powerful person in the room at any given time. Exactly. And I like that he does all of his fighting with his tail. That's like actually creative. Yeah. Like I actually I agree. like his design. I kind of like his vibe in this. Like, and again, it's frustrating that all of that gets lost in kind of like the muddled plot, where the plot is just like kind of a nothing. Yeah, they're almost yeah. Like there, there's a plot, but you're right. It's a nothing burger, but. And, you know, like, I agree. I also really like Splinter's design in this film. But again, it's disgusting. I mean, like... It's too <laughs> detailed. It's just... There are pores. He's got these moving nostrils and these whiskers. And it's like, I have to say, this is probably the first turtle iteration that you're like, oh, they really do live in the sewer. Like, they look right. like it. They look like they, they give off sewer energy that I think has never been emphasized before. Where you're just like, oh, God, don't touch them. You're going to get salmonella. Yeah. Like, ew. You're going to get salmonella from a normal-ass turtle. This is a mutant turtle. Right. (laughs) But, like, like, okay, even though though the sewer energy is kind of gross, I do, I always, I love the reminder that everything that they have, they, like, dumpster-dived for. Mm-hmm. I like that energy. I, I like that attention to detail that they all have these, like, Raph wears these, like, broken sunglasses and, like, these, like, they have these accessories that you can tell they just, like, found. <laughs> I like that. Right. Yeah, it's, again, it's something you appreciate more when you've seen fresher, newer adaptations. But, like, like again, all of these ideas, they introduce all of these interesting ideas. Like, yeah, making their hangout really, like oh, we built this ourselves. We, yeah. like, took whatever we could find to build a cool home. And all the turtles having sort of different shapes and different color palettes and mm-hmm. different, like, juge on their bodies. Yeah. Like, Rise does all of that. It just mm-hmm. looks better because it doesn't have to depend on realistic photo textures. Right. And it's funny because the original 80s film also had, like, sort of a grimy, textured vibe to it. Like, right. honestly, I think why it succeeds is it's literally just hey, let's take the comics, but put the cartoon turtles in. Because, like, right. in the com- original comics, they're all kind of the same person. They're all kind of just, like... Oh, they are, yeah. Rah, 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 rah. They're all basically well, all rats. No, they're all, like, in the original, like, they're all, like, uh, dude. Like, they're all different versions of that. <laughs> yeah. And they're they all cowabunga the- dudes. Yeah. Like, and... It, it, but it works because, again, they're puppets or they're costumes that are smooth and cartoony and textured. Right. So you're like, this balances out because it's like, yeah, you get that gritty New York vibe, but I don't feel gross hanging out with you. Right. But I also feel like the 80s, like 80s cinematography was especially good at making New York look like hell. Yes. It, like, <laughs> well, because New York was kind of hell. It was time. hell. Yeah. Look, we can hate gentrification, but things were pretty, like, I, I do Literally not miss on the fire. old Times square. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, no, that's, there was, like, a level of atmos that you just can't get with CGI. Right. Where it's like, oh, this is not only dank, but also the filters you're using and the texturing you're using is revolting. Somebody on Rotten Tomatoes mentioned that it's, that they hate the lighting. I think it's color graded badly. Yes, that is honestly one of the biggest things. And that's a problem with all of, like, Michael Bay's, like, them Transformers, for some reason, him and... And not just even that, because, like, okay, so his production sort of silo is Platinum Dunes. That's his, like, personal production company. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, 
Transformers, Turtles. And for some reason, they had a weird thing about rebooting horror franchises like slasher franchises. Oh. So they did most of the big ones. They did Friday the 13th. They did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And all of them have this revolting, like, bluish-green filter. Everything looks wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would love to sit down with him and be like, do you actually like this? Or have you, like, right. focus-tested this and decided this is what people this want, is think what's they for want? the best? Um, okay. So... Can we, we have to talk about Megan Fox. Um, mm. Now, let me just say, I'm a big advocate for Megan Fox. I think she's a great example of kind of the pitfalls of modern commercialized feminism that only includes certain yeah. women and not others. She has yes. been like the biggest victim of, of that over her, her career and has kind of been dismissed as like this slut even though she's, like, just been cast that way. And it's, right. like, she's... What's the Jessica Rabbit line? I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. I'm just way. drawn bad? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, here's my... I think she does fine in her... In this performance. Like, with what she's given. I really enjoy the scene with her and Whoopi Goldberg where she is tweaking. Um, yes. That's a good scene for her. It's so funny because you talk about like how gross everything looks and it's got the ratatouille problem where if you can't get past the fact that they're reptile, like if you can't get past the fact they're like vermin in a sewer, mm-hmm. you just, and it reminds me of that scene where the head chef is like, oh, he wants me to think that the, the rat is just a red herring. Obviously there's nothing to the rat and his lawyer is just like, okay, <laughs> right. okay. Okay. But yes. Yeah. That, She's uh, explaining these these seven foot, eight foot turtles, and then like the cherry on top is like, oh, they do karate, and that yes. is the part that gets her fired. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, look, there's some weird things in the New York sewers, but karate but, kicks. No. Yeah, you're dismissed, ma'am. Um, here's my biggest problem, and I think we can place the blame fully in the lap of Michael Bay for this, but it's like. It's one thing to present her, to, to present these, like, horny, teenaged boys, but to also sandwich her in between them and this, like, weird guy that won't take a hint and is, like, nice. aggressive is too much. That is actually too much, actually. like She's getting it from, like, every end. Every and angle, so and weird. it's exhausting for, as the audience, to, like, witness this. <laughs> Like, I just, it really is, and it's the problem with the Transformers movies, too. It's like, you want to have your cake, and but also, like, get off to your female character, too. Yeah. Where, like, her whole arc is she wants to be taken seriously as a journalist, and she's tired of being the eye candy for puff pieces. So let's show her li- butt. Yeah, let's literally just have, like, a five-second shot of just her ass. Yep. With her head off frame, as mm-hmm. Will Arnett, of all people, is like, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. This is good. Mm. Keep you keep doing that while I crash this. Uh, yeah. Well, I almost get us killed because yeah. I like my boner is literally getting us killed. Right. <laughs> In the most literal sense of the word. Exactly. And you know, I don't. I don't know. You know, I wish they had made April more actually competent, like mm. at her job. In the sense that, like, I actually do find her persistence to be disruptive to or like rather destructive because even that moment that we have to look at her ass for five seconds is because she insists on taking pictures of this moment (laughs) is because she's hanging out of this like moving like 
they're in like what like a huge tractor trailer that's sliding down an avalanche and she's like i'd like to get pictures of this so she leans out the window to take pictures of it and it, and it's like moments like that that i'm like are there better ways to show that she's passionate about her job right well it's it's a two-pronged problem one and i've talked about this before the lois lane energy of like being gung-ho like lois lane doesn't get captured because she's a boob she gets captured because she's like gung-ho and enthusiastic and she's like i'm the best at my job and i have a responsibility to do like really push myself yeah where it's like you never get a sense that april o'neill's particularly good at journalism like she does a couple google searches and that's her like demonstration of research basically yeah and it's it's well it's why they add all the stuff where it's like oh the bad guy killed her dad and they were fighting and she saved the turtles because it's like we need to give her conflict, even though she doesn't have a particularly strong arc and doesn't really grow as a character. Right. Like, her definition of growing as a character is kicking a sword into a dude's eye or something. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I like the beginning of the film where we show her, like, doing this really stupid weight loss interview or something. Right. I, I think that's good. That's good stuff. But, like, we lose the motivation for her to continue proving that she's right or, like... We, like, in the beginning, her, her motivation is to, like, pr- prove herself as a journalist. And then that kind of gets tossed away at some point and never Again, resolved. Again, once the turtles show up, it just becomes your typical, like, a th- yeah. like basically a 40-minute episode of TMNT. Yeah, right. So that feels disappointing to me and, and unresolved. Can she have her job back? She was right. Like, can she use any of this? Or is she now sworn to secrecy? <laughs> Right. Was this a waste like, of her time? That would, yeah, at least that would be a character arc of, like, she realizes there's more important things. Right. She sacrifices her story to keep the turtle secret because that matters to them. And, and yeah, it's... I, I agree. That, like, opening scene, I'm like, oh, this is actually an astute comment. Yeah. Like, this could be the bedrock for a good character. And then... Right. But they don't use it as a bedrock. It's just set... It's just curtains. And nice it, curtains that make you think there's, like, right. something there. Yeah, you're right. And it's like, you know... I again this whole thing is underlined by this like family theme and I wish that we had emphasized more of like her need for a family does she need them does she need them like I wish I felt that she did honestly my answer is no that she doesn't need them Right, because, like, other than the fact that she had them as pets, there's really no emotional connection to them. That's my point. It's like, I wish they had, like, she loses her father. I wish we had seen that long-term effect on her. I wish right. we had, we wish we could see her as being a loner or being lonely. Right, right. Yeah, it's, and again, again, I like, I hate to keep citing Rise of the Turtles. Someday we'll do talk about the Rise of the Ninja Turtles movie or mm-hmm. just talk about that series on its own. Mm-hmm. But... Like, that does such a better job with April in terms of, like, this found family dynamic. Because she has a family. She has a home. Mm-hmm. She's, like, content. But then she finds this group of, like, brothers that she, like, connects. There's no one... T- there's, it's the one of these things, thank God, that they don't try to ship her with one of the turtles. Yeah. Like, like, they, like, like that's some a, series. Yeah, the 20... That's the one thing I really don't like about the 2012 one. Like, I really... Like, you know, she is their sister. And, like... Literally, her arc at the end of the series is, like, her learning how to fight and, like, learning to actually help out against the Foot Clan. Mm-hmm. And finally, like, 
I'm trying to figure out how to explain this without going too deep into the weeds, but basically, like, the spirit, like, because that series goes into mystical stuff, so, like, the spirits right. of the previous members of uh, Splinter's clan come back, and they're like, you're right. a member of our clan, too. And she gets cool, like, mystic powers. Nice. And I'm like, yeah, growth. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so, so, script doctor mode, like, how in 2023 and beyond does a successful, like, let's say we want to make this live action. Right. We, we like, are determined to make this work, because it's got to work, right? It's worked in the past. Right. right. How? This is our breadbasket at Paramount. If we make this work, yeah. we don't have to worry about money ever again. Yes. Oh, by the way, if we haven't already mentioned this previously in several episodes, Paramount Plus is the best streaming service. Case closed. Uh, honestly, because it knows its job. It knows its, its not job. Like, one, the interface is much better than Disney Plus, and it knows its job where it's like, this is where you get Star Trek, this is where you get Turtles, this is where you get Nickelodeon. Yeah. Those are three big bins, and we're going to put all the toys in it, and you're going to have access to every toy you want from those anytime you want. Correct. No questions asked. Every series, everything that we have talked about in this episode today can be found on Paramount+. Plus. And very easily. Yes, for free, without any extra premium. Like, if you've got the subscription, you can watch all of what we've talked about today. Anywho, right. so Script Doctor. So, let's think, like, what are the ingredients to a, to a great turtle film? For starters, it really has to be, for me, you really got to make New York, like, like you really have to lean into the New Yorkiness of it all. Like, mm-hmm. that's the one thing I don't like about the mountain scene, because I'm like, why are the turtles out of New York? They're Where in is New that? York. Yeah. Right. It's like the Catskill. There's no mountains like that around, like, the yeah. city. Where are you? Where are you? Yeah. Like, yeah, for me, like, especially when you look at the 80s movies, so much of the movies, like, oh, the sp- Shredder's recruiting, like, disenfranchised youth from the streets. Like, and maybe it's because I'm watching Moon Girl, which has such a, like, distinct, like, oh, we are perfectly capturing not all of New York, but the Lower East Side. Yeah. Like, I really think you've got to lean into, like, the neighborhoods of it all and establish, like, this is their home. This is the place they're choosing to protect. And I think the turtles are most effective when you lean into the fact that New York is a scary city. <laughs> right. Like, make it Gotham-y. And, and also, like... That works because the scenes that I like in this movie, it leans into the idea that they're ninjas. They aren't just guys who do karate. The I, like the idea of a ninja is it's like a lower class per like a lower class person in Japanese society who would like make makeshift weapons and tools, right? Strike from the shadows, hit the target hard, and then run, right? Because their entire like existence depends on people not knowing who they are, right? And yeah, like that works better when you have sort of this like sort of grungy night-shaded New York. And so let's talk about specifically, like, what kind of turtles do we like best? I'm glad you brought up the whole, like, ninjutsu thing because I have always liked that balance of them being cowabunga dudes, but also, like, honoring this, like, ancient, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, system of nobility as, like, a religion. And, like, I, I like that spirituality that they've always had. Right. Like, honestly, the most iconic moment from any Turtles thing is them just sitting by the campfire and trying to find inner peace so they can go fight the Shredder, even though they know Splinter probably died. Yeah. Like, you couldn't do a scene like that in a blockbuster movie anymore. Right. Where you're just like, 
the whole like we're gonna have like 15 to 20 minutes where they're just on a farm where they're meditating yeah yeah reflecting on everything they've experienced before right it is like honestly i do feel like we underrate that where it's like yes like you know all of their art forms require this like superhuman level of discipline and skill but they're also jabronis who eat pizza (laughs) and like get in arguments with the pizza man and right. do, like cannonball into people's pools. Get in arguments with each other. Or break stuff sometimes. They're kind of clumsy. Yeah, they're like teenagers. Let's like, let's like quickly like go through each character. Like, what's our favorite version? Like, like what is the like perfect version of each character? Like, what's a perfect Leonardo look like? See, that's the hardest one. We're, he of is course, we're starting perfect. with the hardest one. Right. Yeah, because his whole bit is he's the leader. Like, right. he gets the least amount of personality descriptions. Right. For me, one that's one thing I actually really like about the twenty or the twenty twelve series is they're like, why would someone want to just be the leader? And like one of the little character details they give to him is he really likes Star Trek or their version of Star Trek. And he's mm. like, look at this guy, you know, you know, going into danger, leading the charge, being the fearless person who everyone believes in. Like he's someone who wants everyone to believe in him. He's right. someone who wants to be trusted. Like he loves being loved. And I think that's something that I think the best versions of that can lean into. Mm. Like uh, um, the Ri- Rise, for example, like he's not the leader to start. Raph is. But oh. like because he has an emotional intelligence for the rest of his family and right. it's like, you know, he always wants to be better because he wants his brothers to love him. It kind of like sneaks his way into the leadership role. Right. Even though like I don't know about you, but I've always appreciated that sense of competition between... Mm-hmm. Raph and Leo uh, yeah and I I I would include more of that actually I that's the part that I sort of appreciate about the 2014 film um right so Raph let's talk about Raph I I've never liked the Raph like I feel like Raph is the character that they always pull out of the teenage persona mm-hmm. and they make him more of this like New York uh like they want to lean into this, like, New York, like, cabbie, like, yeah, like, this is stupid. Like, I always hated that. He's Wolverine I, if Wolverine spent most of his time being a New York cab driver. Yeah. And I want him, like, I I actually, I think my favorite iteration of him might be the 2014 version, honestly. of Because there is, like, a, a youthfulness there still. Um, but I appreciate him being physically larger than the rest of them and sort of like strong and silent kind of, but like just a touch of cranky. Right. Well, I also love that like he tries to lean into being like the strong silent type and his brothers dunk on him. Yeah. (laughs) Anything lean into the fact that they're teenage brothers and that they like rib each other. Like they're never going to hurt each other's feelings, but they're always going to make fun of each other. Exactly. Yeah, for me, Raph has to be slightly on the younger side or presenting, like, if you don't make him more of a teenager, he just doesn't work. He just becomes an asshole. Right. And the worst versions of this, he's just, like... Or he is an asshole, yeah. Insufferable, because you're like, man, these are your brothers. Why are you being such a... Th-? Like, just right. talk to them Sometimes... for a minute and work this out. Exactly. Okay, so in the 2014 film, I think a complaint that you definitely voice, and I've heard from others about Donnie, is that he was too urkely. And I might agree, mm-hmm. even though I thought it, I found it endearing, but like, yeah, you're right, actually. Like, why does he need to be an Urkel? Right. Well, see, that's why 
of all of like the changes Rise makes, I think I love the ones to Donnie the best because he's kind of just a sociopath. Yeah. He his intelligence, like he knows he's smarter than everyone, so he kind of uses an excuse to be chaotic. Yeah. Like there's Mm -hmm. just a bit where he's like, "Oh, the tracker I put in uh, Raph," and Leo is like, "Wait, did you put trackers in all of us?" And he's just like, "Of course (laughs) not." Yeah, I just, I guess. Yeah, I like I like a mad scientist, Donnie, but. I, yeah, I want, like, a cool nerd. Yeah, like, for me, he's got to be, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, less Urkel-y, more, like, excited geek, if that makes sense. Exactly. Because Urkel's not cool, like, he's cringe. Right. Whereas, like, especially because nerdy stuff is so in now, like, Mm -hmm. he should just be the kid who can't shut up about the things he loves. Yeah. And I also, like, I hate that smart gets distilled into like, boils down to, oh, equations. Oh, my formula. It's like, yeah. yeah, he can be into gadgets and stuff, but I think it would be cool if he's the one who knows everything about New York history. Like, he knows right. all the subway tunnels they can take that are out of commission. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows, like, you know, what streets aren't lit on certain days so they can sneak around. Like, I don't know. I Like, if he's going to be the smartest of the turtles, I would like to see a richer sort of palette for that. You know, I'm right now I'm thinking about the character Wade from um, Kim Possible, her right. gadgets guy, who was, like, always framed as the coolest dude. <laughs> right. Yeah, he sits in a chair all day, but he's not a loser. Like, they right. love him. He's cool. Exactly, Everyone yeah. Everyone him. Yeah, that's, like, yeah, I'd, I would like sort of a cool, refined Donnie that is just, right. like, super passionate about gadgets and i feel like we have so many good examples of that now like on youtube there's so many youtubers that fit that description of like oh you're a gadgets guy but you're also kind of cool but i can tell that you're probably a nerd in high school <laughs> right and also like uh, and the broader thing in terms of like gadgets and stuff i would again this is an area i'd like to see them lean into the ninja stuff like smoke bombs like flashbangs, mm-hmm. like grapple hooks like, mm-hmm. lean into the idea of, like, we're just grabbing stuff and making makeshift weapons and gear to sort of get us through whatever situation we need to do to beat the foot right now. Right. There's that bit in the Lego movie where, like, a master builder can literally just look around the room and figure out what pieces can be put together. Mm. Stuff like that would be cool, where he's like, oh, we need to make a quick escape. Uh, grab this, grab this, grab this. Here right. we go. Here's a device specifically for the situation. Right, right. Okay, Mikey. Mikey's kind of, I don't know. For me, it's just like, other than just being fun, what is he? And like, well, he just kind of has to be the heart of the team. Like, he's the puppy. Yeah, he, yeah. There's, you know, I'm actually satisfied with the, with the Mikey in the 2014 film. I, I like a quippy Mikey. I like the comic relief. I like that he's like the most flirty and like unhinged. Um, I just wish like the writing was better. But <laughs> right, yeah, they just like again they give him all the shtick and like yeah. toned it down a little bit. I think it would be better. But like, I also like that he's the one who wants to spend the most time on the surface. That's the bit from the second movie, right. uh, Out of the Shadows, which I guess we're not really talking about. But again, yeah. in the Amazing Spider-Man energy, uh, they make the first one. It makes just enough money to get a sequel. And they're like, oh, people didn't like that this one was dark and kind of gross. Let's make this other one candy colored and vibrant and right. silly and play all the hits, all the characters. Mm-hmm. You want Beep Bop? You want Rocksteady? You want Krang? We you got them all. got baby. it. Doctor, what's his name? Uh, Baxter? Yeah. Baxter Stockman. And it's, got it, it's Tyler Perry 
which is kind of funny. And it's the only reason I won that franchise to keep going, because I wanted to see Tyler Perry be a big-ass fly. I do, too. Yeah. I I kind of low-key love... Well, I love Tyler Perry as an actor. I don't like him as a director. No, yeah, 100%. I agree. He has a cool persona. He is. And I really thought that was great casting for that role, which we're not really prepared to talk about that film today. But but yes, more Tyler Perry in Turtle films. Yeah. But I like him being like, because he's the youngest. So he's got to be the story I'd like. Exactly. I want to be part of your world. Right. Like, he's got to be the one that relate. I think it makes most sense for him to relate to April the most. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, I want to know everything about the surface world. Right. Like, yeah, I just, like, I don't know. Like, he's got to be the one who, like, puts himself on the line and, like, gets hurt. Like, there's the bit where Raph cracks his show and I'm like, I don't know. I feel like this would be more emotionally affecting if it was Mikey. Because right. we'd be, like, really worried of, like, oh, he's not the fighter. He can't handle this. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um... So much, so much interesting detail here. What else? Like, what are your other thoughts about how to make a turtle film work? I mean, I have my thoughts specifically for this movie, how they could have fixed this specific movie. But like, I also just have some broader ideas. My big thing is like, okay, if, and this was my, how do I keep as much of this original film in as possible? And I'm like, okay, so we keep a corporate conspiracy. We keep the magic blood. Right. Shredder is like the B villain. Basically, my idea was just like, oh, this is basically more of an origin story for Shredder than it is um, the oh. Turtles. Like the Turtles are already kind of established. So basically, oh, like it's basically the same start of the movie where she's like doing puff pieces and she wants more. Mm-hmm. Established that her dad is a journalist who's investigated this Eric Sachs guy before. So that mm. leads her to investigating him. Um, and apparently he's, he keeps saying, like, I've been the target of industrial sabotage, but I can't prove it. And she's, like, quickly, she's the one who does the investigating to realize, oh, there's ninjas in New York, the Foot Clan. Right. Um, uh, she gets attacked by the Foot Clan because they're like, hey, stop messing with us. Turtles jump in. And then, honestly, a lot of it kind of goes in the same direction. Right. Where Eric Sachs kind of brings her in because he's like, hey, you know, I'll pull some strings to help you keep your job. I need you to do an investigation of this Foot Clan so I can prove that someone's trying to mess with my company. And then Mm -hmm. basically my big hook is, like, well, one, that whole bit on the mountain, that's moved to Central Park because I'm like, oh, Oh. you can do a snowy. One, because I think, like, again, keep it in New York. And two, snowy fight in a forest, that would be awesome. Hmm. Yeah. And my big change is, like, basically the twist is, because, you know, this Eric Sachs guy is working with Shredder. Have it be, oh, basically he's creating a false flag terrorist attack. Like, do the right. Iron Man 3 thing of, like, oh, I recruited this, like, clan to steal this mutagen I've been working on, spread it in the city, and when I present the solution of, like, hey, I can fix all these mutants, I forgot this whole plot was built around a virus that was going to kill people, and I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just change it to, oh, this mutagen can make people really strong, it can make them, like do this yeah. do that but it's also volatile it's basically the fly where it's like one little thing goes wrong and you're a monster right exactly so basically he creates a fake terrorist attack no one will blame him because hey someone stole this mutagen it's the foot it wasn't me um interesting and basically my idea was just like okay if we want to make the art whole angle about april wanting to be the this incredible investigative journalist have her grapple with like some you know in this day and age when journalism's kind of being gutted and made toothless like you know, like, if you want to change the world, you might need something a little more than journalism. Like, journalism might right. not be the best avenue. And have it be her learning, you know, through the turtles, being able to help the turtles and making the world a better place that way. 
Right, right. And also, I just really like the idea. And basically, yeah, my whole angle is going to be, this is why Shredder is obsessed with defeating the Turtles. Like, he's never, he's like, oh, he gets brought in. My big thing is, make the Shredder a samurai, not a ninja. Because I like this idea of, like, you know, the Shredder's this guy who claims to have heritage hundreds of years back to, like, the right, right hand of the Shogun. Mm-hmm. Like, his his family's samurai clan, they were, like, the first foot soldiers whenever the Shogun needed, like, law to be enforced. Mm-hmm. And that way you make them a counter to the Ninja Turtles sort of being, like, the scrappy ninja underdogs. And have a big fight with Splinter and Shredder in the snow in Central Park. Splinter kind of wins and gets away. And then Shredder just gets progressively more obsessed with, like, I'm not going to get bested by a fucking rat. Right. <laughs> and then he survived, He seemingly dies at the end, but he's still alive. And he's like, I'm dedicating my entire life to beheading this rat and right. proving my legitimacy. Yeah. No, I like that, too. Um, you know, for me, I feel like you're you're right about what you say that like there's there are mainstays of of the turtle lore that i think deserve to stay i enjoy the idea of this mutagen i i enjoy the magic blood thing we know the turtles i would even throw shredder into that mix of like we already got it we know mm-hmm. i would actually lean into making april more central yeah to the plot or or i should say I would actually lean into this being completely from her POV. Like, mm-hmm. and um, give this, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 treatment and fully make this, like, a found family story because we are, like, you know, when when we meet the Turtles, we were given the spiel about why it is important that they cannot go to the surface. And that is something that we never really dive into either. Or and at the very least, you know, it's framed as if, like, it's dangerous. For, and then they're not, like, they're not far enough in their training to be able to handle the surface world. But at the mm-hmm. same time, the narrative is more of, like, them being accepted by human beings. Right. And if, so it's like, okay, well, let's just pick one of those things. I mean, they're huge. Like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's. Let's just say that they're they are. Monsters. We yeah. love them, but they're monsters. Let's say that they are physically ready to like face danger on the surface world, and I guess the yeah. events of this film prove that. But let's lean into the angle that this is about them being accepted by anyone, and allow April mm-hmm. to kind of be the ve- and Vern, for that matter, right. to be the vehicles of that acceptance, um, and that taste of of meeting human beings up on the surface world. Yeah. It's interesting because like we have two very different questions of like, how do we make this specific movie and how do we make a turtles thing? Like if we just got a blank check and a blank page to make a turtle thing. And weirdly, there are more bits and pieces of this movie that I would take over than I would have thought. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Cause like the problem this movie runs into is it doesn't, it simultaneously has April be the central character, but doesn't give her an arc. And when we have the turtles who are kind of already fully formed by the time we get to this story, right. like they're already who they are, which is kind of true about all of the film, most adaptations of this. We're not really the closest we have to like a sort of more origin story. E adaptation is rise because it's like, Oh, they're still figuring it out. Like, right. Oh, mm-hmm. they haven't established like the first episode of the 2012 series, it's like, oh, they're deciding who the leader is. And it's like, okay, 
personalities, traditional traits locked in. Right. Like, they're not learning their personalities. So it just makes sense to have April be the main character. Right. And yeah, I do like that idea you suggested of, like, hey, you know, like, ninjas have to work in the shadows. Ninjas have to be, like, hidden from society. But it's like, yeah, but if you open up your heart a little bit, you can find people who believe in you and, like, believe right. in your cause. Here's an interesting question in terms of adaptation. Are you a fan of Splinter being a human and then turning into a rat? Or do you think he always has to be a rat? He always has to be a rat. That's his, And, like, wasn't this a narrative in the 2012 series of him starting out as a human, right? That was a thing? Yes. Which I think is the... Is that the more traditional origin? I always get mixed up which one started first. I actually don't know. But, um, yeah, I like the idea that they're all... were test subjects. Like... I, 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 yeah, I, I think that is the through line. I feel like if I were a human that got turned into a rat, I would have no incentive to like train up some turtles. It is kind of a wild leap to be like, <laughs> I'm a rat now. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. I, fuck. I guess these turtles are my sons. I yeah, guess I'll raise I them. <laughs> my wife is going to have to have a closed casket at the, f- there's no body. Right. Um. Yeah, I guess like. I honestly think that's one thing that kind of bothers me about the series, how, like, whatever it is, or the most, this 2014 film, how, like, whatever it is about the kung fu of it all, he just finds a book. I like the idea that he's just a rat living in New York City, and I like the idea that maybe he goes into, like, movie theaters and, like, watches Mm -hmm. these kung fu movies and gets really into it, and then he's like, yeah, and then he's like, okay, well, how are we going to live down here? And he's like, okay. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be this tight-knit unit. We're going to have discipline. We're going to have strategy. Right. And then he, you know, on the way learns how to be a better father. Exactly. As a rat. Right. Yeah, I guess I kind of lean more toward him being a rat. You just have to, it just requires you to do more work to explain why he knows how to do kung fu so good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, if you figure that out, it just makes more sense. It's fine. The, the rest kind of tells itself, yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, Every, I guess even as I'm talking about, like, what I want from Ninja Turtles, it's, like, I kind of just want to do... I just want more because, like, mm, I do that. like that we get such simultaneously so similar and so different adaptations because we keep seeing the strain... Like, I'm talking about these strains that carry over from adaptation to adaptation beyond just their, like, one-sentence personality traits and their color coding. Right. And it's, like, it's so interesting that such radically different appearing and feeling versions can have so many similar elements. That's true. Yeah. You know, I... I just think a franchise like Turtles deserve deserves a blockbuster treatment. Right. <laughs> With three films and, and the whole shebang, you know? Yeah, like, I don't know. It would be, again, it's like, as much as I like Rise, I'm like, again, wouldn't it be cool to see the Turtles running around in live action again? Like, isn't it kind of fun to be like, oh, here's a aesthetic, effectively real, like... You know, the beginning of the 80s movie is, like, kind of like a grimy, gritty 80s drama about a working woman trying to make it a big city. And then out of nowhere, these freaking turtle puppets come out (laughs) of nowhere and start doing karate chops and roundhouse kicks. Yeah. And swinging a salami around like it's a nunchuck. Yeah. Yeah. Beatboxing. Right. Um, (laughs) Oh, God. And singing Go Ninja. Go have ninja, I told you, go ninja, go. <laughs> have I ever told you Vanilla Ice, perf- I saw Vanilla Ice perform live once and he did Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go? No. Uh, for some reason there was like a concert. I don't even remember why I was in Buffalo. Maybe a wedding? I was in Buffalo and they have like, it's uh, 
downtown is on the Erie Canal. Like, the Sabre Stadium's there. A lot of cool stuff's down there. And they were just having concerts on the waterfront. And one of them was Vanilla Ice, and he just kept going, Remember the 90s? Remember Game Boy? I swear to God. This remember is the 90s? Dude, that's the only reason we invited you here is because we remember the 90s. And he's like, remember the turtles? And then he just starts going, go ninja, go. And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Oh my God. I see like I mean, that's that's the energy though that I think needs to be leaned into even harder. Like they are teenagers. And that like can be every, so much fun. Right? I mean, it's literally what we were talking about with turning red. It's just like there is something about like a like a young adult teenage energy yeah. that just like it, it has this like infectious energy where you're like, oh, you are a disaster, but man, you know right. what? You're gonna figure it out someday, kid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. It's so interesting. Honestly, we could do another. I feel like we could do another hour just talking about like little bits and pieces we want. Well, one just talk talking turts. Just talking turts. Yep. Uh, burgling the turts, is that the phrase from Over the Garden Wall? <laughs> yeah, something like that. But, yeah, we're just talking about individual things we would love <laughs> to see in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. But, yeah, I just want... And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm excited for this newest adaptation. So, we were talking about it. it it's supposed to come out in, like, April, I think. Um, which, which is funny. Now that I have I heard about it. virtually nothing about this. It is very alarming we haven't seen a trailer. It's produced by Seth Rogen. And it's all animated. And the main gimmick is, or one of the main gimmicks is, they actually got teenagers to voice the characters. And, like, all of the art we've seen suggests, like, they're really leaning into, like, all of these wacky mutant characters that have been picked up over the years. All of it on screen, all the time. Colors, shapes, sounds. And I'm like, I'm in. I might be in because it's like... Right. I just want to see the most joyous, vibrant, energetic version of this. Right. And, like, that's what won me over with Rise. It's like, oh, this is just the most bombastic versions of all their personalities. And if you combine that with all the classic characters as opposed to all the original characters they made for that show, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what much more I can ask for, to be honest. That's really interesting, yeah. I started to watch Rise, um, and it's something that I definitely need to finish. I mean, I feel like you've sold me on it in this conversation. I think I just forgot about it over time. Yeah, it's, yeah, it feels, it's so weird because, like, it got caught in this transitionary phase of the live-action 2014 series kind of just going kaput, and this new series coming out, on top of everyone being mad about the redesigns that now everyone's won over. Right. Um, But it has such an active internet community that I really, like, honestly, I couldn't recommend it more for anyone. Um, there's an entire part of the community that is just trying to Mandela affect Yasaki Yojimbo into the series. Why? Like, I don't know. But they literally just drawing this rabbit samurai into the <laughs> series to basically retcon- Like, see, he was always there. And I'm like, that's fucking hilarious, but so weird that you're spending time on this. Are they shipping in this in this community? Uh, not per- <laughs> not with April. Okay, because it was real bad. It's been real bad in the past. Yeah, it's been real bad in these streets, kids. Yeah, the bad like the 2012 series was real bad. That got out of hand. The 2014 series had quite a bit as well. Yeah, no, get that. No, they're turtles. No. Well, yeah, and they're also but, teenagers. This, is, this would be illegal. Yeah, you're, you're in prison, sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, 
at the end of the day, yeah, like I was saying, like, there's so many bits and pieces, like, there's so many different ideas I would have for a Turtles movie. I'm just, like, I kind of just want to keep seeing adaptations. Me too. And I feel like I'll know it when I see it, and I never want to stop seeing Turtles stuff. Right. This is almost like Winnie the Pooh we've talked about, where it's like, keep bringing this back. Do not lose the licensing rights to it ever, please. Right. It, for it's God's like, sake. It feels like we as a culture need some version of this at any Forever. Time. Like, we can live without He-Man for a little bit. We can live we without can. Uh, Transformers for a little bit. We, we need can. our turtles. But no, we need these turtles, yeah. Of Just like every other episode, now I just want to go indulge in my favorite turtle mania. I mean, the fact that we start we got five minutes in before we even thought about doing the intro. I'm right. Like, how the hell have we not talked about Ninja Turtles before? Exactly. What's your, like, what is your favorite thing about the Turtles? Just, like, as an idea. Man, that's tough. But I think for me, it's just the, like, I'm a sucker for color-coding, color-coded teams mm. with easy-to-find personalities. Like, it's combining color-coded teams with, like, kind of just the best of, like, it's just the best of, like, what we grew up with. It's the best of Nickelodeon culture. Right. Just, like, kickflip, skateboarding, right. ninja stuff, pizza. <laughs> like, it's scary how scientific it is. Right. For me, you know, it's... I am a sucker for, like, teams, found families, friend groups, really strong friend groups... Those are all, like, you know, any franchise that leans into that. That's why, like, the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy, like, appeal to me so much. And this follows the same exact formula. I love a team where, like, you've got these wildly different characters who absolutely all need to be present for this thing to, like, sing. And including April and Splinter and whomever else. And um, I just... I, I'm a sucker for, for that sort of thing. But you're right. Like, I am also obsessed with pizza, so it's relatable. Right. Like, it really is just like, yeah, there's a reason why they called it the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Because this is the ultimate teen thing. Yeah. Like, there's literally, like, we all have obsessions growing up, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles just captures all of them. We all have a skateboarding phase. We all have a ninja phase. We all right. have a turtle. We Gadgets. all have a reptile phase. Yeah, and then we all have a phase where we think we're too old for all this, and yeah. we're Leo. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's kind of just perfect, and it's wrapped it in this like vibrant, colorful, goofy package that you just. It, I mean, it's kind of the same thing I talked about with Disney, where I used to be like, "Oh, I'm too cool for this," and mm-hmm. it's like you can't help but love this. Come on. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm saying it here. I'll, I'll be a turtle fan for life. Yes. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, real quick, we wanted to <coughs> wrap up. We just wanted to mention on this episode what we're doing on Patreon. Yes, this week's Patreon episode. Um, patrons get two extra episodes from us every month. So um, this week we are talking about video games. Specifically, which video games do we think would make great film adaptations? So... If you are interested to hear that episode, please consider subscribing to our patron, to our Patreon, excuse me. You can find us at patreon.com slash Disney Desk. Yes. And until next time, 
where we're all doing the Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And those were the tunes. And, you know, thanks for um, thanks for letting me talk about this for my birthday. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's weird because we're going to be probably hanging out on your birthday, but happy birthday, Sydney. Thank you. <laughs> Start thinking now about what you want to talk about come your birthday. Oh, God. <laughs> it's something dumb, that's for sure. <laughs> Have a great night, everybody. Bye. The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.